This morning we're going to continue with our series on the kingdom. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far? Show of hands, come on. I've, I've enjoyed this series. It's been a really good one. I felt like it was timely. Um, last Sunday we, I preached a message called Kingdom Government and we got into politics. And I'm going to dabble a little bit in that today uh, with a message called Kingdom Unity. And, and what I want you to... Um, to know is this, that you can go back and listen to any of our previous messages online. You can go to osconnect.com or you can download our OSC app and you can get a lot of information and find out what's going on, but you can do a lot of things through our app also. But you can go back and listen to some of those previous messages and just to kind of refresh yourself, maybe use them as a study guide or something like that. But um, today we're going to continue, and I'm not sure how long we're going to go with this series, but we're going to continue today. And how many of you remember, you, knew, you might age yourself a little bit, that's okay, I'll be with you. How many of you remember being in elementary school and every morning you had to stand and you had to face a flag and you had to put your hand on your heart? How many of you remember that? Come on, show your hands. Come on, yeah, I know you're aging yourself, that's okay. And you put your hand on your heart and you say what? The Pledge of Allegiance, Right? And it goes a little bit like this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. You can say it along with me. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. What? Well, no, I, I said the original version. That's the actual original version created in 18... In 1892, when the, when the Pledge of Allegiance was originally created, it did not have under God in it. It wasn't until 1954 that President Eisenhower encouraged Congress to add under God, and this is the reason why, to distinguish the United States from godless communism. History proves, and history says, that the United States was, was developed or, or built by a bunch of immigrants who came over on the Mayflower with the purpose, this is why they came, with the purpose of religious freedom. They wanted to worship God freely, so they left their country, sailed. They didn't take a, a cruise ship, y'all. They sailed all the way to the U.S. to be able to worship God freely. Think about that. What a great nation we live in. What a great country we live in. Despite what it looks like today, what a great country we live in. What a great foundation we have. The, the little kids all the way up to they graduate school would say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Indivisible. That means unable to be divided. With liberty, that's called freedom and justice for all. But today, we almost look like the divided states of America. Would you agree? Everywhere you turn, you see division. Everybody's quick to tell you what they don't like. Nobody's celebrating what they do like. And I'm afraid that we're not going to realize what, what we have until it's gone. I tell you what, I appreciate church even more when they shut us down. After about a month, I was like, I miss people. 
and I'm an introvert. I miss people. But everywhere we look, division is occurring, and we have presidential candidates talking about uniting our nation while they fight, fighting over how to unite. You see, it's, it's Satan's agenda to bring about destruction, and his strategy is called division. It'll happen in every area of your life. He's, he's trying to divide your marriage. He's trying to divide your relationship with your children. He's trying to divide you from brothers and sisters in Christ. He's trying to divide your extended family. Why? Because his plan is if he can bring division, then he can accomplish isolation. And if he can gain isolation, then he can bring about destruction. You see his plan? His plan is to divide. We're a blessed nation, whether we believe it or not. We're still blessed. Even today, we're still blessed. I shared in the first service that we had a Veterans Day celebration last year, and I asked the question, what can we do to celebrate all that you've done for our country? And Brendan made this statement that just, it just rains in my ears. He said, he said, I believe the best way to honor veterans is to live a life worthy to go to war for. I was like, boom, that's what I was looking for. To live a life that's worthy to go to war for. That's worthy to give my life for. So today I want to show you how God wants us to be united. In fact, I'm going to show you that it was a passion of Jesus's that we are united. In fact, I'll show it to you in one of the longest prayers recorded in the Bible. It was Jesus's prayer in John chapter 17. Listen to how Jesus prayed. I'm just going to give you bits and pieces as I give you this message. Verse 11, Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world to return and be with you, but my disciples will remain here. <coughs> Excuse me. So I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one uh, that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one, even as we are one. So at the very end of his life, that's where Jesus is now. He's at the very end of his life on the planet. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to leave his disciples to build the church. And this is what he's praying. He's not praying that we would be blessed and highly flavored. He's not praying that we would be, he is praying that we would be, we would be protected. But he listened to what he's praying. He's praying that we would stay united. And then he goes even further and describes what that unity looks like. Because unity is not just agreeing with one another. I'm going to say that one more time. Unity is not just agreeing with one another. It's, it's bigger than that. Amen? Verse 20 and 21 says this, and I ask, that, I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. So watch this. Jesus was praying this over his disciples, but his disciples made disciples who made disciples who made more disciples who made more disciples who then made some disciples who made more disciples and made more disciples and boom, here you are today. He was praying that for us, that everyone who believes their message. You see, in the first century, he was praying unity over Jews and Gentiles, the rich and the poor, the slaves and the free, the educated and the uneducated. 
In the 21st century, it's over Republicans and Democrats. It's, it's independents and libertarians, blacks and whites, married and singles. All of us. The unity he wants for us is to be a replica of the unity that Jesus had with his father. Are you hearing me this morning? Look, I want you to pay attention. I want you to go home and read this again, but, but I want you to pay attention to how many times he says, just like you and I are united. You see, in order to be united, we must be first people who are under God. Who are under God. You see in it? People who are under God. Undividable. Not able to be divided. Are you committed to relationships in your life that you would say, we will not be divided. I will not allow division to come. That's me and Cheryl. We are fighting to stay united. I wish I could tell you we got united on the wedding day and the rest is just some kind of love song. Nope, I'd be lying. We fight for this unity. So what did Jesus pray for? He prayed for unity. You see, there's this thing about Jesus that we need to get today. Jesus stayed under God. It's a position he chose to keep himself in. It's a position that, that Jesus got up every morning and made a decision to serve God today, not to serve himself. He made a decision that, God, your will instead of my will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not mine. You see in it? And as followers, we have to make that decision every single day to serve God and love people. Jesus was submitted to God's authority. He showed it to us. Many times he would get alone by himself to just go sit with God. How many of you are like me? You, you can really get in God's presence out in the woods or outside. Come on. I'm be sitting with, with 40 head of cattle and just be like in Jesus' presence. Hoping I don't get stepped on. But he submitted himself to God's authority. So how do we stand united? Glad you asked this question. Number one, we need to value diversity over uniformity. Do you know you're not the same as anyone else? I didn't know if you knew that. I just thought I'd tell you. You're not the same as anyone else. We're all different in this building. There, we, there's, I doubt if there's anybody that weighs exactly the same. We could pull up a scale if y'all want. Didn't think so. None of us look the same. None of us have the same amount of hair. Few of us have a good enough skull for God to take the hair off and display the skull. The rest of y'all, I don't know what you're hiding. Uh -huh. But we're different. God's not into sameness. He's into oneness. You got to remember, he created us diversely. He diversely created all of us. He, he put this in the mix to keep it interesting, I believe. He made us different for a reason. By God's design, men and women are different. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and there's beauty in our diversity. I told the first service, I'm not glad I married me. I'm so glad I didn't marry me. We'd work all the time and we'd have no fun. Cheryl and I are different. 
Let me share with you, and you might want to write some of this down. One of, one of the things that we've learned in marriage, one of the keys that, is, that has helped us a lot is we've learned to appreciate our differences. But in order to appreciate somebody's differences, you've got to stop fighting about your differences. Because you see, when we were first married, we didn't like our differences. And we fought about everything. Until we learned to appreciate each other's differences. And I wish I could tell you it stopped there, but it doesn't stop there. It actually goes to a point where you start to, to um, I just lost my word. You start to leverage your differences now. So we had to stop fighting over our differences we're different. We see the world differently. We see our house differently. We see finances differently. We see how to parent kids differently. We see intimacy different. We see all these things differently. You with me? But we had to learn to quit fighting over our differences, learn to appreciate and value each other's differences, and then learn how to leverage our differences. Man, we're better together than we are individual. Amen? Y'all awfully quiet this morning. That's good, that's good marriage help right there. We're better together than we are separated. The key was to quit fighting over the differences. I've come to the conclusion my wife's going to leave shoes in the walkway. I feel so, thank you, John. I feel so justified in that. But she, she's had to come to terms that there's going to be certain things that she lives with with me. It's a short list. Just a few. We're not going to pull out lists today. But here's the truth. God created all races. He created different personalities, different cultures on purpose. If you don't like the color of somebody else's skin, you need to take that up with God, not with them. Right? It's not their fault. I was born big, bald, and white. I didn't ask for that. It's what God decided, right? He chose to put me on this planet because it needed me. Come on, somebody. But in order to do this, you must first recognize the good in someone else's position, opinion, and the way of doing things. It requires us to do things and talk about things that you may not always like to talk about. If we're going to learn how to be united with people, we got to learn how to unite with people. My oldest daughter is, is an art major. I'm about the furthest from an art major. But she's highly talented and highly gifted. And I'm learning more about art than I ever thought I would. Because she likes to talk about it. And I'm a good daddy who loves her, and I like to listen for it. It's not what I go and research on Google. It's not in my history on safari. It's what she did. I want to be united with her. I got to be able to get into her world. Does this make sense? So I got to value her difference over uniformity. Making sense? Number two, I need to, we need to pursue God's purpose over personal preferences. Huh. Pursue God's purpose over personal preferences. How many of you got some preferences? 
Oh, you like to do things certain ways. You like to go to certain places. Uh, some of you like to buy certain clothes and you won't try anything else because you got preferences. How many of you, <laughs> this is just for my own curiosity. How many of you won't go try a new restaurant? You won't go try a new restaurant. Okay, how many of you won't try a different dish at your favorite restaurant? Okay, I thought, I thought y'all were in here. Y'all were just hiding. <laughs> You've got preferences, Right? There's a reason for your preferences. We can justify our preferences, but we need to pursue God's purpose over our personal preferences. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 4. Part of the prayer, he says, I've glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything. Say everything. You've told me to do. Jesus is talking back to God. Listen to what he tells God. I've glorified you because I've faithfully done everything that you've told me to do. Wow. How do we bring glory to God? By doing what he says. How do your children bring glory to you? By doing what you say. And you wish your kids was in here listening to that. But God has not called us to, uni to unity of preferences or politics or persons, but unity of purpose. There's a greater purpose. Are you hearing me this morning? There's a greater purpose. The New Orleans Saints have 53 players on their team. They all have different shapes, sizes, weights, abilities, talents. They come from different parts of the, of the nation. They come from different experiences. Some of them come from educated homes. Some of them come from uneducated homes. Some of them come from the hood. Some of them come from the, the other side of the tracks. Some of them come from all different kind of places. But they each come with their own individual talent and their own preferences and their own opinions, right? And any good coach, if he's going to win with this diverse group of men, is going to have to know how to unify them behind one purpose. It's hard to unify over many purposes. We need to unify over one common purpose. What is that purpose? To establish God's kingdom on the planet. That was Jesus' message, by the way. I hope you understand that. He wasn't just preaching salvation. Jesus was preaching thy kingdom is here. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's right here in front of you. Like this is kingdom. That's what he was preaching. But if the coach is going to win, he's got to get them to unify under one great purpose. And to take all those differences, all those diversities, and bring them into one purpose. Remember last Sunday I talked to you about Simon and Matthew was two guys who were handpicked by Jesus to be his disciples. Simon and Matthew, they were, they were, they were worlds apart politically. One was anti-government, the other one was, was pro-government. How in the world was an anti-government guy and a pro-government guy going to serve Jesus and follow him? The only way is, is that something had to die in both of them. Do you know if you're going to fulfill the purposes of God, something's got to die inside of you? We should always be dying. Always. There should always be. If I'm going to have an incredible marriage, something has to continue to die. 23 years and counting. Four years of dating. There's been a whole lot of death, but we ain't done yet. Are you hearing me? Something has to die.
God's going to unite his people, not around a candidate, but around a king. Amen? Number three, believe truth over personal opinions. <laughs> how many of you are opinionated? <laughs> Let's see if you can confess it. Come on, how many of you going to be honest up in church? Oh, look, I started saying, how many of you going to be honest? Y'all started raising your hands. Uh-huh. Opinionated. I got, I'm opinionated. I ain't going to lie to you. It's hard to keep my mouth shut sometimes. I got my opinions, Right? But I need to believe truth over personal opinions. Listen to what Jesus said. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and, and be made holy by your truth. Everybody's got their own truth today, right? Everybody's got their own version of truth. The question is, is how many people believe the, how many people believe that what their truth is is actually a lie? How many people are going to soon discover that the truth they think they believe in is just a lie? You can listen to Fox News and believe a certain narrative of truth. You can listen to, to, to NBC and believe a certain narrative of truth. But the truth is, is they're all believing lies, right? But we as believers have been given the truth, and our judgments and our decisions and our opinions need to be subjected to this truth. Come on, you with me this morning? We, we must know the truth. Jesus, Jesus is the truth. He's the word of God. He's truth. God's goal is oneness in the church. And the road to oneness is knowing the truth. If there's no truth, you cannot have unity. Amen? Amen. Just because you believe it doesn't make it true. That's why you got idiots marching and rioting and, do, and standing up for all these different causes because they believe it's true. And just because they believe it, it must be true. Got quiet up in this church. You got people who are acting out of character because what they believe they think is true. People are saying things out of character because they believe a certain truth. You want to know what truth is? Truth is whatever God believes about something. That's what truth is. Truth is God's view of any subject. <laughs> Can you submit to that today? Can we submit to, that, to that, that God knows absolute truth and that God is truth and whatever he believes is true? Can we submit to that today? Because let me tell you something, to submit to that, something has to die inside of us. There was a famous umpire in the, in the National Baseball League. His name is, is Bill Clem. And Bill Clem holds the record for 
umpiring um, over eight World Series. And Bill Clem was actually responsible for the hand signals that the referees give today, like safe, out, strike, whatever, however it is they do. I'm not a big baseball guy. But Bill Clem was responsible for, for the way umpires are today. And he was in one of the World Series, and it was the bottom of the ninth, and there was a tied game, and the runner was on third, and, and there was two outs, and the batter hits a ground ball. The runner comes home to win the game. Infielder throws it to the catcher. Runner slid, and the catcher put his glove down to tag him. Dust is flying everywhere. One team is yelling, save, he's saved, he's saved. The other team is yelling, he's out, he's out, he's out. Bill Clem throws his mask off, and he says, shut up. It ain't nothing till I decide it. That's what he did. One of his famous quotes, shut up. He just screams at everybody, shut up. <laughs> I like saying shut up. How many of you like saying shut up? just feels good. He's like, shut up. Anyway. It ain't nothing until I call it. You got Republicans hollering one thing, Democrats hollering another. You got Christians picking sides. And I'm going, what the heck are we doing? Calling themselves a Republican? Calling themselves a Democrat? What are you doing? You're supposed to be a Christian. Jesus didn't die for you to become a Republican. He didn't die for us to become Democrats. He died for us to have life and to overcome this world and build his kingdom on the planet, right? And if I can hear God saying anything today, I can hear him saying, shut up. It ain't nothing until I say it. Let me, let me bust your bubble a little bit this morning because a lot, of, a lot of, maybe some of you are worried about who's going to win the election. And maybe you're not. Do you know the Bible actually says that God puts men in authority? <laughs> so all this fussing, screaming, and hollering, and kicking, and throwing, and all this other stuff for what? God's going to pick his man? All woman, whatever the case may be. Not this time, but... Listen to what Jesus said. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do you get free? By truth. Only by truth. Opinions don't set people free. Preferences don't set people free. Come on. Truth sets people free. So let me say this this morning. God's not going to rewrite the Bible for us. Just because you don't like what it says, he's not going to rewrite it for us. And instead of trying to get him to rewrite the Bible, what if we just let the Bible change us and go on about our business? Amen? Here's the cool thing about truth is that it, it takes the guesswork out of life. Can I tell you, as Christians, we should be passionate about this book. What does the enemy want to keep from you? You see it? Why is it so hard to read it? Why is it so hard to be devoted to it? Why is it so hard to be committed to it? 
Why is it so hard to, to, to put this first every day? Why is it so hard? Because the enemy's making it hard. Because the flesh is weak, amen? We need to know the truth. Absolutely every one of us needs to know the truth. So believe truth over personal opinions. And then my last thought is this. Choose to love others instead of degrading others. Choose to love others instead of degrading others. Notice we said choose. How many of you would be honest and say, sometimes I don't feel like loving them kids. (laughs) Sometimes I'm going to send them back. Anyone ever want to send them back? If your kids are sitting with you, don't raise your hand. You might damage their soul. But it's a choice we make, right? Choose to love others instead of degrading others. I shared last week about a guy who used to be in one of our churches who posted something on Facebook, and he basically said this, and it was, it was as demonic as you could believe. He said this, if you vote for Biden and I lose my all-field job, I will sell drugs to your kids. I kid you not, unfriended the brother this week, like, you gone. He didn't know about it, but that's okay. I felt better. Think about that. How many people feel that way in their heart right now? We hear something like that and we go, golly, but how many people actually feel that way? That they would take some kind of a stance and allow division to come to the point where we start to hurt one another, threaten one another. Jesus said in John 13, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should also love each other. Jesus modeled this for them and for us, to love one another. Jesus loved the people that were whipping him with a whip. Jesus loved the guys who were putting nails in his hands. Jesus loved the people in the crowd that were insulting him and spitting on him. He loved the guys who made the the crown for him to wear, the crown of thorns, and they jammed it on his head. He loved those guys. He loved them. And he's calling us to love also. Here's the thing I love about God the most. Nobody knows me better than God does. Would you agree? He knows all your thoughts. He knows your your actions even before you take them. He knows everything about it. He knows your deepest secret. Hate to bust your bubble this morning. He knows what you desire. He knows all these things about you. Yet who loves you the most? God does, doesn't he? Despite what he knows about you. Pretty cool. Amen? Jesus wasn't telling us to feel like loving each other. Because how many of you know sometimes you just got to do it and allow the feelings to catch up later? Sometimes we need to love, especially when we don't feel like it the most. You heard that? Sometimes you need to love the most when you don't feel like it the most. By the way, this wasn't a new suggestion. This was a new commandment. Jesus didn't say it would be a good idea if you loved one another. Like that might go well for you. No, he said, I give you a new commandment. Amen? So in every sporting event, 
at the end of a game, half the crowd leaves happy, the other half leaves upset, right? Unfortunately, in high school, we lost a lot of football games. <laughs> we stayed upset. But that's, what, that's the way it goes. At the end of a game, half leave happy, half leave upset. Here's the million-dollar question. Come Tuesday night, after the election, you're going to be happy or are you going to be upset? What condition is God going to find his people in? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, but we're not going to find out for weeks. You never know. You can't trust media. Read your Bible. But how are you going to be if your person doesn't get elected? How are you going to be if it doesn't go the way you think it should go? Come on. I'm going to tell you why in a minute, why that's so important. It's so important today to, to, to watch your condition after this election. Because with great division needs to come great unity. And the only way you fight the division in this country is with the great unity in the church. That no matter who wins, I'll pray for that person. Oh, oh pastor, you're doing good till you said pray for I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray they got a stroke and they die. I just heard some of y'all thinking that. But pray for them. How many of you are going to actually talk good about them? But there ain't nothing good to say. <laughs> what is your condition going to be like Wednesday? <laughs> you know, it's easy to love people that love you. It's easy to love those that look like you. It's easy to love those that act like you. It's easy to love those that vote like you. But real love happens when you love those who hate you, despise you, and even criticize you. What did Jesus say? Bless your enemies and don't curse them. I say it like this. Bless them, don't cuss them. That's the first victory you can get is if you don't cuss them. But in order to be that way, you're going to have to preload some grace inside of you. You're going to have to preload some allowance for other people's faults and mistakes. There's never been a time like now where the world needs to see the church united. I've never seen in my history churches get so political like they are today. That they actually pick a side. Actually pick a candidate. And prophesy about this guy. It's sure going to look crazy on Tuesday or Wednesday if he don't win. I hate to be the pastor that stands up and chooses a candidate over Jesus and then has to come back to the pulpit the next day. Whew. Feel some resistance. Some pushback. Yeah, but it's important that we pray for the right things and we vote the right way. Absolutely, 100%. I agree. You need to pray and you need to vote. The Bible said that pray for the nation that you're living in and it'll go well for you. Work for its peace. Yeah, we need to do all that. But listen to me. No matter what happens, King Jesus is still king. 
And that means that nothing changes for me. Let me wrap this up, finish up the prayer. John 17, 21 to 23. Listen to what Jesus says. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Can I, can I rewind the tape on that for just a minute? May they experience such what? Perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity is more powerful than we give it credit. I said unity is more powerful than we give it credit. It preaches a gospel. It talks about Jesus. It shows the world how much God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. I've given them the glory you gave me so that so they may be one as we are one. There he goes again. I pray that they will be they will all be one just as you and I were one. There he goes again. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that here we go, so that the world will believe you sent me. Wow. How do you defeat great division with great unity, with great love for one another? Pushing your opinions, pushing your differences aside, appreciating your differences, leveraging your differences, fighting and living for one purpose and not everybody else's purpose. Amen? The world is looking for unity that is only going to be found in the church. And it should only be found in the church. Psalms 133 says this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Well, that's a good sentence right there, isn't it? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. Watch this last part. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Can I break this down for just a minute? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How many of you like good and pleasant? I love me some good and pleasant, right? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there, where? In unity, the Lord has commanded what? The blessing. I like to be blessed. I love me some blessing. I got a big old basket behind me. That's a blessing. Some people might see it as a curse. I see it as a blessing. But God commands a blessing when there's unity. Stand up. I know, you'll be all right. I didn't pre-warn you. When this is united, when we are united, God commands a blessing on this marriage, on our family. I believe for generations to come. When as a church, when we're united, come here, Toby. I'm going to hold your hand, Toby. Okay? You okay with that? When we're united, God commands a blessing. 
Do we have differences? Yes. Do we have our own opinions? Yes. Can we frustrate each other? Yes, either direction. But the real question is this. Do we have one purpose? What is that purpose? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for holding my hand, Toby. has commanded the blessing life forevermore when God sees unity he commands heaven to bless what he sees on earth let's pray this morning God this world we're in right now seems like the divided states of America our nation does that we're divided on racial issues, we're divided on social issues, God we're divided on life or death we're divided on everything it seems like so much so God that it's causing people to act out of character it's causing things to come out of people that shouldn't be in them are in question people are in question everybody's hollering and screaming but nobody's listening God nobody's asking the right questions God it's scary nation today, knowing that I got kids that are going to continue to live on. God, I'm reminded that we don't put our hope in man or even man's systems. Our hope is in you, King Jesus, and you alone. So today I pray over this congregation. I pray that you'd begin to burn in our hearts the urgency to love one another just as you've loved us. That we would take your example of love, Jesus, and begin to extend it to everyone around us, no matter what our differences are, no matter what our opinions are, no matter what our political views are, no matter where we stand on race or social issues, but that, God, we would begin to extend love to one another. It's your love, Jesus, that conquered the grave for us. And it's your love through us that will conquer the divided nation that will conquer even a divided church. God, help us today to fight for unity in the church, to fight for unity in your kingdom. You love it so much, God, that you command a blessing to fall upon it. 
Wow. You said, I'll bless it. If you'll unite and you'll love one another, I'll bless it. Thank you. Thank you, God. So I pray over us. No matter what happens in an election, no matter what happens in this world or in our country, that we'll continue to unite with everyone that we can find. We'll continue to love everyone that we find. We'll continue to pour out your favor and your kindness upon everyone around us. And that God as a church will be so united that it'll preach the gospel and it'll show the world what real love looks like. So thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do. You've definitely exposed the hearts of men. You've definitely exposed things in our country and in this world. And God, I believe you're stirring some things up and you're making a whole lot of things new. Search us, God. unclean or evil inside of us would you point it out and give us the strength and the courage to get rid of it help us today in Jesus name